Hi friends! Welcome to Charlie and Steve Watch Stuff, and today we are watching Batman the Animated Series. My name is Steve Selnick, and with me today, as always, he's just the pussy I've been looking for, it's Charlie Peppers. Charlie, how you doing today, friend? I'm doing well, even better after that intro, friend. I had to bring a little Danny DeVito into our discussion that involves Catwoman. You have you, to give you had to. a little bit of Creeper Penguin. You have to. You have to. And we're we're keeping a tradition alive it's now two times in a row so i'm officially calling it a tradition we have a very special guest to welcome on to charlie and steve watch stuff to discuss this two-parter involving catwoman we'd like to welcome prolific writer and podcaster the host of angel on top and the empire diaries listen to them wherever your podcasts are found it's latoya ferguson latoya thank you so much for joining us on charlie and steve watch stuff how are you I'm doing well. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about Catwoman. Meow. Meow. <laughs> Meow, indeed. Claws up, everybody. It's it's really nice to have you. We love the opportunity to have other friends to come and talk to us about stuff that we love. And I, this is obviously not a video medium, but I have the pleasure of getting to see Charlie's face right now. And he is absolutely bursting at the seams with pride and joy for having you onto the show. So Charlie, I'd love for you to just kind of tell us about how you connected with LaToya. And it sounds like you're just, you can't wait to just gush <laughs> about her. So I'm going to let you do that for a second. All right. So my relationship with LaToya began as a parasocial relationship because it was pretty <laughs> much just me listening to Angel on Top being like, oh my God, I love these takes. LaToya just has a way of discussing not only characters and pop culture, but also her love of TV in general is so aspirational. They do this segment where at the end of the Angel on Top episodes, they wonder what Angel would watch on the WB. And the WB growing up was one of my favorite places just to get TV. And they're pulling out deep cuts on the WB. Like I think one of them was Gross Point. Gross yes, Point was on the Gross WB. Point. But yeah, Sweet. then I met Latoya on the picket line. Literally. You could see yeah. my picket line signs with all the boxes like behind me, actually. Yeah, yeah. And from there, we've just been pals and just talk about the things. And I'm very excited to watch LaToya get into a room, as I know is going to happen this year, kick ass and become a powerful showrunner. Thank you. And we watched Batman Returns together during the, the holiday season. Yeah, I had a Batman Returns. You got to go to that? Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm so jealous. I wish Aww. I could have. I live in San Francisco. I want. I got the invite. Charlie texted it to me, being like, "Just in case you can come." And I'm like, "You know, my FOMO is very large for this, but I unfortunately cannot come on a couple days' notice." I wish one day I'll be that successful where I can just charter a flight real quick right? down to LA to see my besties. I basically mm -hmm. got to win White Elephant without bringing in a gift. I got like a nice bottle of wine. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I broke my white elephant gift by dropping <laughs> yes, it. Yes, you did. <laughs> you broke it so hard. You just kept breaking it. I know. You broke I one, you broke the other. I mean, at least they match now. Shattered, shattered dreams. Oh, all the shattered, shattered dreams. I'm so happy you're here, Latoya. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Charlie, I want to give you flowers really quickly before I ask Latoya to speak about herself a little bit more, but this is now the second person you've brought on the podcast that you've essentially just like 
willed a relationship with via <laughs> enjoying the content that they've been bringing you because we brought on Ian Carlos Crawford for our Saltburn podcast, which is another relationship that Charlie started because he was like, I love the work that you do. I want to have a relationship with you because it seems like you put a lot of your person into your work and I really enjoy that. So I must enjoy your person too. And I'm just so impressed by the relationships that you're able to forge based on finding common threads with people. And I think this relationship right here is a testament to that. But Latoya, I want to just give you the opportunity to, I mean, we've already said from the rooftops that you're such a prolific writer and podcaster, but I want to hear it from you as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself, things that you love to watch. I I know that this is a hard left turn from the stuff that you're watching right now, but just tell us a little bit in our audience about yourself. I mean, I'm not just watching the OC season two right now. I'm watching watching so many things. I mean, no, I'm, I'm still in the early goings of the season, so it's still fun right now, actually. That's right. We're about to, We're about to hit the pivot point, though, after, like, the first seven episodes. But, yeah, so I'm just a, a lover of TV, of course. If anyone listening knows me, they're probably, again, aware from my podcast, but also, like, my career as a, a TV critic. Got my start at the AV Club. R.I.P. basically, honestly. It's the the old 30 Rock Kenneth Parcell. There's only two things I love, television and everyone. But really, it's just kind of television for me. So yeah, I just, I love television. I love talking about it, especially, yeah, you you can see how Charlie lights up. Like that's how I light up about like talking about television I love in general, which is why I'm so happy. Of course, I get to podcast about Angel, get to podcast about the Vampire Diaries, get to talk to you guys about TV right now too. But yeah, I am very proud to be rewatching the OC for episodic medium coverage, which is like a lot of actually AV club cast offs, I guess we could call us. We're all kind of writing there with Miles McNutt is our editor, former AV club writer as well. So I'm covering that there. I will be con- continuing to cover Abbott Elementary there. So I, I watched that. I've been rewatching, let's see. I was doing a Boston legal rewatch after I did like a a full the practice rewatch. I kind of hit a little bump in the road in my Boston legal rewatch because once you get to season four where it's like we don't really have money to pay people (laughs) the big names like Julie Bowen leaves, Mark Valley leaves and everything. It's like, okay, I'm kind (laughs) of I kind of hit a plateau there. Unfortunately, I've been rewatching The Detour, which was a comedy on TBS that like no one watched, but I loved greatly. It's like. It starts off as like this road trip comedy. It's created by Samantha Bee and her husband, Jason Jones. Jason Jones stars in it with Natalie Z. And it's just show like so many callbacks and Easter eggs. And one of those things is like one of those shows you have to really pay attention to in comedy form. I, I really recommend anyone who's never seen The Detour watch it because I'm like, it's cracking my shit up rewatching it now. And I, I loved it so much. Really just, I, I want to do a 30 Rock rewatch, especially after it went viral on Twitter, you know, and like, what's the best 30 Rock joke? I, I want to do a rewatch of that. But yeah, I just, I, I love television, guys. <laughs> you make me like television more just from being around you. I'm so serious. Like, it's, it's the best energy. I agree. Your enthusiasm is very infectious. It's very cool. And it makes me want to talk about television, which we're going to do right now. TV to talk about, as the CW once said. As the CW. Oh, man, you've got all this, this TV slogans just locked and loaded. This is so good. <laughs> we can have a quiz at the end. But we're going to talk about some Catwoman, one of, uh, someone that we feel Charlie personifies. Personally, he just did a little shimmy for, again, wishing <laughs> this was a medium, medium a few times in this podcast. Again, Latoya has an amazing just Elmo hanging out on her 
microphone and it's it's bringing me joy every time I look at it. But let's talk about The Cat and the Claw, part one of two. We are going to be talking about both episodes in this episode of podcasting, directed by Kevin Altieri, story by Sean Catherine Derrick and Lauren Bright, teleplay by Jules Dennis and Richard Muller. The plot does introduce Catwoman, who tries to purchase land for a mountain lion reserve, but a group of <laughs> terrorists led by Red Claw thwart her, so she and Batman have to put aside their differences in order to stop Red Claw. And I'm going to now pass the ball proudly over to Charlie, because if you've been listening to Charlie and Steve watch stuff, you know that these are the episodes that he wished and prayed would be on every time they came on television back when that was a thing. So, Charlie, I'd like you to take it and lead us through The Cat and the Claw, part one. So, we open on Catwoman scaling a wall of an apartment complex. It's just her. She has a cat that's miraculously clinging on to her shoulder as she does all these acrobatics. And she breaks into a woman's home using her claws to get a beautiful diamond necklace. So what I love mostly about this is that Shirley Walker, who scores all of Batman the Animated Series, scored the hell out of Catwoman's theme. It's playful, sultry, lightly menacing, and just downright sexy. I think it really supports her characterization in a way that we haven't seen with other villains on the show before, and that's only heightened when Batman interrupts her and we get a three-part chase. What did y'all think of their first interaction? I was fascinated by the fact that this two-parter is about how Batman slash Bruce Wayne learns that women can do things. (laughs) I have this in the notes. They can be cat burglars. They can be terrorists. He's like, wow. But I'm not judging this. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised, but I'm not judging. (laughs) I'm not bad. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely Bruce. That's so funny. (laughs) A woman. Our cat burglar is a woman. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my goodness. I did love the cat wrapped around her neck the entire time. And you get that initial connection between her and the felines, which I think is important to establish with the cat woman. I do think in this three-part chase scene, they do a wonderful job of expressing the fact that they're both really, really hot and they're both really, really into each other. And I think that's an important establishment to make. And I I watched these episodes way back when we were starting to like think about this idea of a podcast because this these are the first two episodes on Max. But watching them back now after we've gotten all of this improvement in the animation and this characterization, it, it just, I saw stuff that I didn't see the first time. And this was the first thing, just being like, oh, they're making a point of being like, these people are hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the low angle that we see Batman at the first time through Catwoman's POV really did something. It did something for me. I won't say what, but it did something for me. So really love that. I also love how at every part of their chase, it seems like Batman lets her get away, then he catches up to her. It feels a bit more like a ballet and a game than him chasing a normal person until he they get to the alleyway and Catwoman's like, all right, fuck you. I'm actually trying to get away from you. Beats him up, gets her cat to come up with her when she uses that whistle that only the cat can hear, which I thought was a clever way of showing that Catwoman is somebody who can think quickly on her feet, which is what I really love about this portrayal. But they have that back and forth interaction, which is really great and which segues into them being in their civilian clothes at the auction 
What did y'all think of this auction scene? This is maybe it's just because I've been watching things from the 90s in general. But I think growing up, I thought like bachelor auctions were a more common thing than they are in my adult life. Honestly, I, I want to be part of a bachelor auction. I couldn't afford a bachelor. I know that. <laughs> but like, I want to just like go to one, right? Like, have you ever been to a bachelor auction? Uh, in a long time. No, I've never been to a bachelor auction, but I've seen a lot of go-go dancers who take tips. I don't know if that counts. It's not the same. That's, I was going <laughs> to say that's the evolution, maybe. That's the that's the evolution. It's just far, far less clothes in West Hollywood. I watched it again right before we hopped on here, and I watched it with headphones on, and I heard the I've been pinching my pennies for you line very, very clearly from just like <laughs> random female voice in the background, <laughs> and I definitely thought pinching was going to be something different right after it, so I kind of preemptively gasped at it, and then it was pennies, and I laughed really hard, but yeah, very... I, as as Latoya said, he finds out women can do things. It's very we've said a few times that it, it very much so sticks out as a show that's in the early '90s, and we'll probably touch on that later when we get to the like Red Scare of it all when Red Claw comes around. Oh God, Red Claw! Can't wait to talk about her. So what I really what I really love. Oh no, Steve! I will reach through the screen. She does not look like <laughs> Zena. How dare you? What I really love about this is that it kind of calls back to the Batman Returns Masquerade Ball, where Bruce Wayne is struck by Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Selena comes in. She throws down ten thousand dollars, but she's only doing it for the cause. She doesn't want to date with Bruce Wayne. And what I really love about this is that when she walks away, Bruce grabs her arm and he's like, wait a minute, they animate her looking down at his arm, then looking up at his face like, excuse me? She was ready to cut a bitch and it makes me love her character even more that she's somebody, even in her voice performance, she's not trying to sound light or unthreatening. Her voice is always full and confident and she's direct. I love how powerful not only the animation, but the voice actress made her. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this uh, depiction of Selena because whether like, you know, she's an animal rights person and everything. To me, I was thinking this seems like very poison ivy, but I guess, you know, that's more environment, just like the plants, really. <laughs> she doesn't care about those animals, just the plants. It's an, an interesting depiction coming into this, obviously. To see that a girl can be a cat burglar and an animal rights activist. Seemingly like money from whatever source that isn't important yeah. i think it's very rare that you get a woman showing up being like i have this money and it doesn't matter how i got it i just have it and you're not going to question it i do and i think that having the origin of catwoman in batman returns is important and i think it contributes to that movie very specifically much like you get introduced to an already established Batman, an already established Joker, mm -hmm. whether or not that's successful. I like that we're getting an already established Catwoman who's yeah. been doing her thing. Batman is aware of, well, aware of her enough to now find out that it's a her. And now mm -hmm. we've talked about how Batman is kind of reacting to the world around him and that it's basically when the villain makes enough noise, that's when Batman comes in to do mm -hmm. his thing. And he's not necessarily doing like prevention yet he can't stay ahead of it and i think now this is like catwoman's been doing her thing she's also this person who's successful and you i i just really like how they rounded her out in this version of it yeah i i like that it's not an origin story but you know who batman wasn't aware of it's the one that we get introduced to 
the Red Claw. I want to talk about the Red Claw for a second. Not only does Gordon warn Batman about the Red Claw, which I appreciate because you get to see their budding partnership, but when we see Red Claw for the first time, she definitely impacts my score for this episode because I think that unlike Selena, she just doesn't really seem to have any complexity to her. She's just very one note of, oh, we're going to do acts of terrorism and I can do all of these things and Batman better watch out. So I think she was a very weak counterpoint. And Latoya, to yes and what you said about Poison Ivy, I think that if this episode, the antagonist, if it were Poison Ivy, I think that would have been stronger. Not only because of their similarities, but Batman has actually faced Poison Ivy before. So to have her as the mirror to Catwoman in this episode would have made it stand even stronger. Gordon and Batman are talking about Red Claw. They're downloading and Selina is getting ready for her date with Batman. Well, Bruce, she wishes it were Batman and she says, oh, you should have seen him. He had the eyes of a lion. I wish that it were him behind this door. And Mm -hmm. when she opens the door, just like Dr. Chase Meridian. Yeah, just like Nicole Kidman (laughs) in Batman Forever. So when she opens up the door, it's just dorky Bruce. What do y'all make of the way that Bruce is kind of bumbling around her? Do we think that this is an act or do we think that he's genuinely this smitten? I think he's this smitten because when they show him at the auction, he's literally blushing. But yeah, he is also, he's built like a a brick shit house, which is like, come on. Same with Clark Kent in uh, the, you know, the Superman animated series too. It's like, are we supposed to really think that there's a difference between these two men? But yeah, it's, I think Bruce is smitten. He likes both of them. Whereas she's just like, I just want Batman. (laughs) Yeah. And at this point, I think he doesn't know that she's Catwoman. He finds out a little bit later. So right now his attention is just like, oh, look at this, like also rich woman who's hot and has (laughs) a cause that she's incredibly dedicated to. Hey, it's the early 90s. They have to be hot. And I, yeah, I think he's 100% smitten. Absolutely. And I love how he casually flexes by getting her that meeting and just picking up the phone. That's what gets Selena's attention. What I do like is that Bruce does a couple of things to endear himself to Selena. She definitely adores Bruce, but she's not feeling the animal magnetism that she feels with Batman, which I find very, very interesting. But it's the times where he's Batman-esque that she feels more like the time where he just picks up the phone and calls the guy it's like that's something that batman would do he would leverage a connection to get the thing that you wanted batman is the one that comes out when he's driving the car to get away from the goons in the second episode so i think that she she does feel most attracted to bruce wayne when he's being more like batman but she's never gets to put that together like he does oh for sure for sure, for sure. After their date is over, they both split apart, they get into their costumes, and they both do a little investigative work. Batman pays the mob bosses a visit for info on Red Claw. Red Claw, we see her laying out her plan for hijacking a viral plague. And Catwoman, she breaks into one of the offices from earlier that Bruce got her that meeting at. But she trips an alarm. We get another fabulous chase scene. We get to see how Catwoman thinks on her feet. 
we see her crawling through vents, we see this great score coming up whenever she does anything badass, and we see her again come across Batman, who ends up saving her at the last minute. Question for both of you. Do you think that Batman is justified in going after Catwoman this hard? Not flirtatiously, I just mean as a criminal. Do you think that Catwoman should get a pass because she's only stealing from rich people? I mean, he definitely doesn't think that because, you know, he's a billionaire. (laughs) I think she should get a pass for that, but he's not thinking that. He's not going at her that hard because she's a criminal. He's going at her that hard because he is aroused. But, you know, (laughs) he's going to use the the law as his reasoning, the law and order. But, yeah, he's horny. Yeah, I agree that he's horny. And I, I think that this final whole sequence where he saves her is the closest he comes to letting her go. And then he has that moment where he's like, yeah, but the one thing between us is the law. And then he sees how disappointed and upset she gets by that. And he goes, oh no, I fumbled the bag. Like I I 100% just fumbled right here. And you can see him want to try and backtrack and be like, no, I didn't mean it and stuff like that, but it's too late for him. And she tosses him off the roof. And that's kind of like the closing of the door of him being able to let her go. But I do think that if it went a little bit differently and if he perhaps didn't make that choice to stick with the law and order, then maybe there was a chance in that second episode there was a route of him maybe dealing with the fact that he was going to let someone skate versus upholding the law. And I actually, I I think I would have rather seen it go that way rather than him be really only horny for justice. Selena's followed home in... Red Claw's henchmen, they see her pull off her mask. They know that it's Lena Kyle. And with that, we cut to black and the screen says to be continued. Yeah, I love this episode. My inner child loves this episode. Like Steve said, Latoya, every time Batman the Animated Series came on, I would get on my knees and pray to God, please let it be an episode with Catwoman. Please, please God, I want to see Catwoman. She's just one of my favorite characters across all media and what i love about this episode is that it's one of the most balanced portrayals we'll see of her in the animated series because she's not super callous in this she's not so bloodthirsty that she's gonna go after her goals at the expense of batman she's just doing her she looks at batman she's like oh cute and goes about her business and she gets annoyed with him every now and then I like that energy for her, and I like that she is such a fiercely independent character in this. And that is going to lead me into my Batarang ranking for the episode. So this episode, I am going to give four Batarangs out of five. I think that it's great, but Red Claw definitely takes away from it being a perfect ranking. I think I will go three because I think Red Claw takes it down even more for me, actually. Wow, okay. I'm going to be, usually I'm the bad cop. I'm going to be the positive Nancy on this one. I'm actually giving this one four and a half batterings. Whoa. And I'm deciding to not let what you two say about it affect me. I actually, so like, I get what they're doing with Red Claw in terms of like cat to cat. So like, I get that they were trying to play on a cat theme. And that Red Claw's probably more of a play on a lion, mountain lion. We're going to get to how the second episode concludes. Mm-hmm. 
I think in terms of like the dichotomy of Batman Catwoman, the fact that we got our first Batman Gordon moment, which I think is like a really, really important development moment for, and, and it happens a little bit more in the second episode. I guess a spoiler for next episode, I didn't like it as much as this one, but I, I actually like, I liked this one almost more than almost every episode we've watched so far, maybe outside of Heart, Heart of Ice and maybe one of the Two-Face episodes. So yeah, it's it's going to get four and a half batterings for me. I respect that. I respect that. That's our battering ratings for Cat and Claw Part 1. We have Part 2 of The Cat and the Claw. This one was directed by Dick Seabast, story by Sean Catherine Derrick and Lauren Bright, teleplay by Jules Dennis and Richard Muller. And of course, the plot of this episode, continuing from Episode 1, Batman and Catwoman must work together to stop Red Claw from releasing a viral plague outside of Gotham. Charlie, take it back away, my friend. Right, so we get Batman cornering the same mob boss in the park, and he tells him about the upcoming heist, and that it's not a family heist. I appreciated that Batman was using an informant, but not gonna lie, this first scene, already you can feel a drop in the writing quality of the episode. It felt a little like coming off of the hills of that beautiful chase scene with Batman and Catwoman that now we're just moving people around like plot devices a little bit more and the character mm-hmm. work kind of suffered. I don't know if you both felt that way. Yeah, moving the pieces to get to it instead of like, is there a world where there is like an abridged version of this arc where that's just one episode that's tighter, do you think? Oh, there is absolutely a world where that happens. You know, I think, not gonna lie, my hot take is that the writing team didn't trust Catwoman to carry the episode all by herself. Mm-hmm. So they got this other threat to come inside to serve as a foil to her and Batman connecting, which on a level I get having obstacles in their relationship, but they definitely should have trusted her to carry it on her own. And if we got a two-parter, I think it should have been a big heist that Catwoman was thinking about doing and that Batman had to stop her from. Their relationship is the obstacle to their relationship, really. <laughs> right. You don't need an outside one, yeah. You know, the thing between them is the law. So <laughs> Batman gets that information from the informant. And then we have another beautiful meeting with Gordon where the police are deducing that it's going to be a military train that Batman has to intersect. When he does intersect it, we get that classic moment of him realizing that Red Claw is a woman and she rolls up with her <laughs> unsuspecting army very quickly, catching Batman off guard. I love that he says, I'm an equal opportunity crime fighter. I have no idea how that made it into the writer's room but again it's the 90s he's like i will hit a woman (laughs) yeah they were probably thought that that was like such a feminist thing for them to say in 92 being like yeah Mm. batman doesn't care if you're a woman exactly he'll still punch you in the face if you're (laughs) against justice even though he was shocked that the terrorist was a woman whoa and they're later like we thought it was a dude but the thing that gets me i want to talk about is like the army guys protecting like the virus and one of them says like who'd want to steal a can of germs anyway and i'm like okay so you guys are just officially saying the army is dumb <laughs> like who wouldn't who would want to steal a can of germs a lot of people 
Honestly, biological warfare. Come on. The other reason why they're dumb is because they're all in the same car. It took <laughs> one blast to this one car to send all of them away. And there was no one else actually protecting the actual germs. Yeah, and I don't think this episode was an intentional criticism either of the military. So it oh, never is. No. Also, <laughs> in my headcanon, I think that these hired goons are just so oblivious to this actually being chemical warfare and they're just doing it for the monies that they're like oh it's just like a couple <laughs> of germs and behind red claws back they're like they're like dude wait 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 like chemical warfare we're talking about like <laughs> people i'm sure that at least one of the goons had that moment behind closed doors no like, they're like we're talking about chemicals and they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. So Red Claw gets away, and we get Bruce and Selina going to lunch, take two. So Bruce's Batman calls Gordon to hear Red Claw's demands right right before picking up Selina for lunch. As they're both talking slick about their business, a Red Claw henchy car attacks. We get this fantastic car chase sequence where Bruce pulls a full 180 U-turn, impressing selena and also getting the goons to go off a bridge love that the animators also showed the goons getting out of the car in the water because again cartoon we're not trying to have bruce murder people well at least maybe not yet we'll unpack that later (laughs) on that vein i also noticed how the one that he punched off of the train very strategically landed on a tree branch to show that he was very much so alive intact (laughs) oh absolutely i love that they, they they go to those links it's like there's still a bunch of guns in this show so many guns literal hand grenades (laughs) i love seeing bruce and selena go on a date then part ways to get into their alter egos and do what they get up to in the nighttime i think that that's very reminiscent of batman returns which again i fucking stand that movie so love seeing it in the cartoon form we see catwoman go after red claw and we see bruce after finding a cat hair on his suit jacket deduce that selena is actually catwoman he goes to her apartment just in time to save her assistant maven from being attacked by red claw's goons and as bruce finds out that catwoman went after red claw maven and i found this moment to be unbearably corny she's like you should just know that she's in love with you and batman reacts (laughs) to it in his face and looks kind of sad but then he walks off i'm sorry i'm sorry love she just wants to fuck is it love it's infatuation at most so i just watched a terrible movie with a terrible romantic story for a podcast the 1989 hulk hogan feature film no holds barred (laughs) romance anywhere i'm like i buy this more than that they had a real uh, like it's always sunny and now we are in love moment <laughs> like truly it was, yes it was terrible because i was so happy to guess on the podcast because in my mind i erased that we were doing no holds barred and thought we were doing over the top the sylvester stallone arm wrestling movie so i like i watched that i'm like this is fun it's not a good movie but it's fun and then i was informed no <laughs> i have to watch the hulk hogan movie <laughs> And that was no, not fun. Not as fun. Especially that was not knowing, fun at all. <laughs> knowing his brand now. 
<laughs> Catwoman sneaks onto the base. She's about to get attacked by a mountain lion, but something really cool happens wherein Catwoman just has a natural way with any feline creatures. So the mountain lion mm-hmm. sees her, doesn't feel threatened, and becomes a friend. Very cool thing from the cartoon that I wish we'd see in live action because I think it's just interesting and I like how it's just left vague and not explained. Batman goes there, he sees Catwoman, they're both captured by Red Claw, they're tied to a chair together, it's very Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies, they talk a little bit about their relationship, they get away, and as Batman goes away to do his thing, Catwoman gives him this look of utter sincerity and longing, which again, going back to what I said earlier, I think the animators and the writers were really trying to hit the love story home and show that they are each other's true love which again i'm very eh, on because i know how they follow through with that for the rest of the show and it kind of doesn't match the same level of this so i'm kind of side-eyeing it but also the animation and the expressions on their faces are very beautiful bruce is able to douse the play he manages to get into a leaking tanker he drives it out of the compound and into a helicopter right after jumping out to his escape it's very badass it's probably the most badass thing we've seen batman do up to this point the animation was great steve looks like he has something to say about this what'd you think no i just totally agree with you i was actually going to ask you if that was your favorite set piece action moment of the show so far because it was definitely mine that like that honestly probably gave the episode an extra battering by itself for me Mm. and it's funny i actually have a funny i don't have a lot of riddler trophies for this episode but the one that i really do have is that the production team like the 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 more central team the bruce tims and the kevin Altieri's, really don't like the look of the explosions as the base is going up they actually like show it as an example of like this is what bad rushed explosions look like and i thought that that was really funny because it didn't seem like that to me at all the flames maybe looked a little like blocky if you like really look harder at it which i did after reading that but in terms of like Batman just pulled off something absolutely ridiculous. Like, if you go back and walk through, theoretically, what he did, like, he douses gas around an opening plague. He drives away with the gas tanker. He tosses a live grenade out the back window that explodes... And then he chases the flame out of the base, drives through a metal door... Dives out of the again on fire trailing <laughs> gasoline tanker into a helicopter and doesn't even like get a scratch. Like Catwoman scratches him more in the alleyway <laughs> with her claws. But gotta make sure he doesn't kill anyone. Again, off of that point, he was very confident that nobody was in there. Or maybe this is one of those moments <laughs> where he just didn't give a fuck. But <laughs> that that was very. He'd rather be lucky than good. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Batman saves the day, and we get this moment between Red Claw and Catwoman that I hate, and that makes my blood absolutely boil. Red Claw kicks Catwoman down a mountain like four times, and in the comic books, Catwoman is a master of dragon-style kung fu, and she is at the same fighting level in the DC canon as Batman's third Robin, Tim Drake. So Selina definitely knows how to throw down. So to see her get mm-hmm. so nerfed in this really, really frustrated me. But I was glad that the mountain lion tackled Red Claw in this very hilarious way. What did y'all think of that 
last show out of Red Claw kind of going apeshit on Selena. I don't think I am as angry about the Red Claw situation as you, more as that I was confounded by what it was. But I think <laughs> Red Claw's existence is going to ha- lead to a lower score. <laughs> Just so <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> I do think it's funny that I, I think that there's a lot of, again, we're in 1992. We're not that far removed from the Cold War. And I think that there's like an active picture being painted that the Russians are like, or at least this Russian is a radical terrorist that would rather take vengeance on someone who messes up the larger plan than like escape to fight another day where like a lot of villains would normally just like go back and lick their wounds. But like they made a point of being like, no, this one's, she's evil. Mm -hmm. She's the evil Russian fembot Xeno warrior princess. I've got a photo, Charlie. I'm posting them next to each other. That's going to be our Instagram post. (laughs) She's more like a vote. Cheetah in Wonder Woman 2 is more like what she is. Oh also, do you guys want to hear a fun Russian a story? <laughs> yeah, please. I know, please. it was not Tell a compliment. Us. So yesterday I rewatched Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning because it's on Paramount Plus now because uh, I was watching with my mom who hadn't seen it yet. And you know, the, so the opening is like, the, it's it's the Russians in a submarine. And like that opening moment was so tense and so stressful. My mom's like, I'm rooting for the Russians. My mom <laughs> says that loud. She's like, I'm, I'm so worried about these Russians. I'm rooting for the Russians. It ended up being very disappointing for her and the Russians. But yeah, she was like, I, she felt so bad for these Russian men. They just wanted to play chess in a submarine (laughs) times they are changing but you know what isn't changing batman putting catwoman in handcuffs at the very end because the thing standing between them is the law (laughs) i'm like well in my head canon i'd love to imagine that it just was for them to get down to kinky times but bruce is just (laughs) being a stick in the mud because he's a billionaire boy boy with a i at the end billionaire boy And yeah, that is how we conclude the episode for Cat in the Claw Part 2. Do y'all have any other thoughts about this or the way that Batman was presented? I just, again, I love that this is the episode where Bruce learns and Batman learns not to be sexist because women can do anything. (laughs) And it's not surprising when they can do anything. Women can do anything but get more than eight nominations for Barbie at the Academy Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. That's That's the line. (laughs) <laughs> that's the that's the absolute line. I got pretty annoyed with Batman in this episode because he's acting like he hasn't had a confrontation with Poison Ivy, who not only managed to knock out Harvey Dent by kissing him, but also nearly killed Batman with some of the killer plants that she grew in her garden. So, Latoya, me and Steve, we went out of our way to do these episodes in an order that makes the continuity of the show make sense. Yeah. So That's the only way to watch a te- television show, really. So. Yeah, and they're out of order on HBO Max right now. And what's yeah. really crazy about this is that in this episode, Gordon and Batman are like besties and they're talking to each other. And the episode right after that is on Leather Wings, the first episode we covered, where Gordon is so indifferent to Batman. Oh, you can handle him however you want to handle him. A SWAT team's too much, but he's this wild card. I was interested because you guys were talking about a different relationship. So I was like, I was wondering, like, how, just how order out of order is this show? Very. <laughs> Especially with the next two that we're about to watch, we get, like, suddenly mm-hmm. very deep in the quote-unquote season one continuity that's on Max. Like, the... 
these first nine episodes or so have been jumping around the first like 20 in some order mm-hmm. on the max app but after this we're going to like episode 35 and 42 or something crazy like that and it starts really jumping around absurd yeah absurd some would say baddie but I'll leave that I there. Have to, <laughs> I have to ask, uh, especially Charlie, did you watch the Batwoman show on the CW? Mm, all right. So I really, really wanted to, but I just, it hurt my heart that it was another Batman show that didn't feature Batman. Did I miss anything? I mean, the Ruby Rose first season has like ups and downs. She's not in the ups, but when uh, Javicia Leslie takes over as Batwoman, it, it's such a it's a great show. It's uh, I put it up really? there with my beloved Legend of Tomorrow. So yeah, and okay. Bridget Regan plays there. She plays Poison Ivy in, in the last season, and she's so good. I love Bridget Regan. I love her anytime she shows up. Uh, Jane the Virgin. She's in white collar. She's like she's like one of those redheads you you always bring to like stir shit up. <laughs> mm, love that. Yeah. yeah, she's Sin Rostro in Jane the Virgin. I love Jane the Virgin. That is on my top twenty mm-hmm. of my favorite shows of all time. I love Jane. Oh, really? Very yeah. cool. Oh, absolutely. That's one of Aaron's like comfort blanket shows. She watches it at least twice a year. Oh my God, Raphael drool. Oh my God, he's so <laughs> dreamy. Yeah, but yes, <laughs> yes. I just and. think about him on Everwood, where they were like, "Is he gay?" And he was not gay. <laughs> That's so funny. That was, like were... the, that was a good portion of the fourth yeah. season of Everwood. 90s drama. <laughs> All the 90s drama. Oh, man. Closing thoughts on Catwoman before we go to battering ratings? I mean, yeah. It's, I guess it's a, a good introduction, right? It's the introduction without being an origin story. Although I am, again, fascinated by this interpretation of Selena Kyle. So, like, obviously would want to see more going forward. I didn't, like, religiously watch this cartoon as a kid. And I think it wasn't necessarily banned in my my home, but it was, like, it's kind of violent for, you know, a kid's show. So it wasn't something, like, my mother wanted me to be watching. And I think I watched more of a Superman the Animated Series, really. And oh, that yeah. Superman's my guy, so. Love Superman. Justice League Unlimited gets even more violent, and it's glorious. I can totally see where you caught on to the vibes of it all with like the vibes of Catwoman, especially coming off of Batman Returns. I I think now watching it with maybe more critical adult eyes, you see where maybe some of the holes are in the writing and stuff that didn't show up in some of the other better episodes, better two-parters that we watched. I don't think we talked about this much, but I think this these episodes were strengthened by really good animation in general. Mm-hmm. I thought they were really, really strong animation moments, like the moments of Batman flying in the background while someone else was doing something the general way that Catwoman was animated and how she carried herself and how the cat was the entire time. I was so entertained watching the cat react to stuff on a second or third watch through. I think the animation was really top notch and strengthened it where it may have faltered in other respects. Yeah, yeah. And I know we already rated it, but again, that chase scene between them and part one, the three part chase scene, I thought that that could have stood alone as a short film. Almost no Mm -hmm. dialogue. You just see the different flow of their relationship. It was pretty much their courtship on rooftops of Mm -hmm. Gotham City. And I thought that the animation team really captured what their dynamic is about and why people fuck with them as a pairing. Yeah, uh, that's a, a concept you use to like sell either like a Batman and Catwoman film or like even a show, really. It's so good. Latoya, would you like to go first in your rating of this second episode? Yeah, so I, cause I was going to, in my ratings, technically put them all together, but 
honestly, this one lowers it. So that's why I was like, I'll just do three for the last one. But this one is a, I'm going to give it a 2.62. I can't wait to crop that on Canva. I'll do it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. (laughs) Steve? Too much red. Too much red claw. You know, Xena. <laughs> now I'm just oh gonna keep God. leaning into it. Definitely it was giving <laughs> it was giving you. bargain bin Xena. There you go. See, he's starting to come around. So you see me. it's Xena. I'm I'm I so mean, you're saying it is in the multiverse. So you're saying it's Xena. <laughs> in the multiverse. In the multiverse. Where she's not as badass or Lucy Lawless, but Charlie Pepper is she's dot 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 Xena. I don't. I really don't see the Xena actually of it all. There's, there's nothing like. No, I think it was just like built. She's long, tall. Long, dark-haired woman who had muscles, and I was like, oh, Xena Warrior Princess. Why not? That's there's the comp. It's probably. I'm not gonna say GI Jane. Could be a Chris no. Rock say GI Jane. Oh no, I'm not trying to get oh. smacked. And goes through your screen. <laughs> My Warrior Will Princess Smith, how'd you get here? <laughs> Keep my warrior princess name out your mouth. <laughs> Man. Well, Steve. Look, I, I guess I'll actually give my battery rating. Yeah, this one knocks it way down. I'm I'm at a I'm at a three batterings for this one. I don't think it's as bad as some of like the nameless mobster mm. episodes that we've had. Definitely yeah. not as bad as the ones we did last episode, but still like a, a mediocre three batterings for me. I feel bad because I haven't watched the other episodes, so because usually I would like to have like the context. So totally. Now I I worry that I'm ruining everything. No, like Adam, Latoya, this is definitely you're not missing much context. The biggest thing that you're missing, the two biggest things, are that Batman already fought Poison Ivy, so he knows mm-hmm. that women can indeed do things <laughs> like beating <laughs> the shit out anything, of him. But not anything, just things. Now he to learns be fair, anything. He only thinks that they can grow plants. Yeah, like that's all he. thinks. That is very womanly. So yeah, having a green thumb is what a woman does. Unless you're me and you have killed succulents. That's how oh, bad no. I am at this. <laughs> Baby, yeah. no. That used to be a big press gift the networks and studios would send. So I'd get, I'd get so many succulents, I'd kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was doing wrong. You need you need to have Poison Ivy as a friend. I, I want I the spinoff. to have someone date me so they can take care of flowers. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> that's what I need. Yeah, put that in your or I need to have get staffed that's so I can. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I need to get staffed so I can get money and I don't have to worry about being in a relationship. Right. Must have green thumb. <laughs> One of the two. Uh, so my rating, I'm gonna give it three batterings, which I think it's good. If it were on TV, I wouldn't turn it off because I love Catwoman that much. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't love Catwoman as much as I do. It would be two and a half batterings. I think just mm. her being in this episode and also that fabulous chase scene where she is again like just doing things with Batman and they're working together as a team. I love them as a duo so much and we don't really get to see that for a few more episodes. So I'm glad that I got my fix with Cat in the Claw part one and two. Latoya, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me, honestly. Yeah, Latoya, one more time before we get out of here, will you just quickly tell people where they can follow you, where they can find your stuff? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Blueski at Lafergs, L-A-F-E-R-G-S. Usually, of course, I will post whatever I've been writing, promote my podcasts, The Empire Diaries and The Angel on Top, and, you know, just be like saying, again, I'm available for staffing. (laughs) 
I, it, <laughs> if I sound desperate, it's because I am. I have a good job, but, you know, I would like to be writing in the room, you know? Amen. Hey, well, we, we're all about manifesting the things that you want, so we're considering this manifesting via podcast, so we'll, we'll continue to help you manifest by shouting it out via this show, for sure. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen. We believe. Yes. Power. Right on. <laughs> well, Latoya, thank you so much for joining us on Charlie and Steve Watch Stuff and talking The Cat and the Claw Parts 1 and Part 2 with us. We will be back talking about Batman, the animated series, in the next episode with the two episodes, See No Evil and Beware the Grey Ghosts. So for myself, Steve Selnick, and my good friend Charlie Peppers, and our special guest, Latoya Ferguson, we will see you on the next one. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.